Word Radio On Demand, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD. Streaming live at wordradio.com. You're listening to Evening Words on WURD, progressive black talk media. Welcome back. You're listening to Word Radio on 900 AM, 96.1 FM, streaming live on wordradio.com, Facebook Live, and the Word Radio app. I'm Dara Lise Lyons, speaking now with Benjamin Pawson from First Person Arts. Ben is the development director at First Person Arts. I'm going to read you Ben's bio because I think it's wonderful. Ben has been using first person stories to great effect in fundraising across three countries, two languages, and several amazing causes. He is a native Brit with an MBA from a French business school and a scar from living in Australia that he will happily tell you about if you make a donation. So welcome, Benjamin. So happy to have you here today. Darylise, thank you so much for the chance to come on. Uh, And thank you for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. So how did you come to First Person Arts? Tell me a bit about your journey. Uh, I arrived just before the pandemic. Um, My partner and I came here from Australia because Canada did not want us. Okay. Um, And I arrived and landed. And I think one of the first things I did was searching Google for Philadelphia storytelling organizations and first person arts came up and I kept an eye on them for about 18 months while I wrote ghost stories for a living for a while, which is one of those weird gig economy gigs that a lot of us are doing these days. Um, And then an opportunity to help them um, draw attention to the cause of storytelling in Philadelphia arose and I jumped at it. Yeah. Jumped. Left. <laughs> so for people who aren't familiar with first person arts, which I, I, like I, it's hard to imagine for me who's in the storytelling realm that anyone might not be <laughs> familiar with first person arts. But like, tell us a little bit about what what it is, what the organization does. Um, they are Philly's original storytelling nonprofit. Um, they make um, drama and uh, documentary art out of real life drama. Um, we do it for the stage, the page, online and on air. Um, and they've been doing it for 20 odd years. And they've been basically collecting the stories of Philadelphians and putting them on stages and recording them. And they have an archive of some 10,000 story files from Philadelphians all across the city telling all kinds of stories. Um, and it, it's, it's just a, a fantastic place to work because you get to hear things you would never hear elsewhere. Mm-hmm. I think um, that's the thing that draws me to it. And yeah, and I imagine the thing that drew you to it. I mean, how, how did you first come across First Person Art? Yeah, so disclaimer, I have um, been on a first person art stage a few times now. I went to a storytelling event and um, put my name in a in a bucket or a hat or whatever it was and got chosen and told a story and uh, happened to win on accident. Like, I don't know how, but um, and then was in the first person arts Grand Slam uh, earlier this year, I think in July, sometime, maybe June or July in the summer sometime. Um, and it was a really it was a really wonderful and impactful and meaningful experience for me. Um, and I, I love storytelling, but I think, you know, why it's important and impactful maybe differs depending on the individual. And so, Benjamin, can you talk a little bit about why storytelling is meaningful to you and also maybe why 
why it should be meaningful to others or some of the feedback that you get about why storytelling is meaningful to others? Um, from, well, I, I, I think there's science that says, you know, it, it's a part of who we are as people. It, mm -hmm. It's how we transfer meaning from one person to another. Yeah. Um, before there were facts, before there was writing, before there was movies, there was stories. Yeah. Um, there were people sitting around a campfire telling stories about the bad things that happened when you went that way and the good things that happened <laughs> when you went that way. It's, yeah. you know, it, it's got an evolutionary function. And, and I think we're hardwired for story, which is the title of a great book. <laughs> when I first took, in, you know, yeah. took my deep dive into what story could do, and apart from those, um, those kind of evolutionary things, you know, a, a story is, you know, it's, it's a value wrapped mm. in a moral, yeah. wrapped in something that's entertaining and easy to digest at, at, at its best. Um, and aside from that, I, I think, you know, as, as you did so well on the stage at First Person Arts, you were vulnerable. You mm. let people into who you really are and, how you were really feeling and that doesn't happen very often and i think when it does happen you feel connected to that person yeah. as when i saw your stories i felt connected to you and in an almost visceral way you know I, mm. you did a really good job of painting the scene and i, I won't spoil the story you have to go <laughs> to www.firstpersonarts.org to see the story um, <laughs> But I, I, I felt what you were feeling and feeling connected is, is, you know, part of what community is about. And I think story is a great way to do that. Yeah. And thank you for the shout out. I did not, that, that, that's not the reason I invited you to be on it, really. <laughs> you know, appreciate that. And I, you know, I, I will share, you know, I'm a hardcore introvert. And so for me, it's easier to be on a stage than to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Interesting, because I interview people for a living and I'm interviewed. But, um, but yeah, I, I think there is something about story that is very powerful, very poignant. And, um, and, and can change people, like really, the, both the teller and the receiver. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's, that's the, the magic that, that drew me to it. And you know, when it's done effectively, yeah, you can change minds, you can change stories, you can make people have understanding that they didn't before. We learn and we grow. And but, you know, the, the professional side of it for me is, you know, I'm, I'm trying to convince people to support us, to help us connect more people. And if I can show people or tell a good story and invite people into why it's so important or why I think it's so important, then we can do more of it and connect more people. And I think if more of us are connected and we understand each other a bit better, I think that's the kind of world I want to live in. So yeah, I'm going to give it my all there, Elise. Well, that is a great segue, Benjamin, because I was going to ask you what exactly a developmental, a <laughs> development director does um, for anyone listening um, who might not be super familiar with that. And for sure, me, so who has no idea. Actually. That is absolutely, absolutely fine. So um, when my mother is talking to me and I've done something wrong, she calls me Benjamin. So um, when um, she tells people what I do, she says I write begging letters. Okay. 
<laughs> which is you know one way of looking at it i suppose my my kind of take on that is i'm inviting people to invest in this cause of connecting people with a gift uh, of time talent or cold hard cash mm. um and basically first person arts like all nonprofits, we you know we do things that the market won't fund mm. um to a greater or lesser extent. And so we have to rely on, on donated gifts. And the, the science of why people put their money, put their hand in their pocket and give all these causes money without getting anything tangible in return it, it is endlessly fascinating and something I'm, I'm trying to understand and trying to understand to the, for the benefit of first person art. So I, uh, you know, if you get an email saying first person arts could really use your donation at this time of year, then that's come from me. And also some of the big um, uh, foundations that are in Philadelphia, that they'll be getting um, applications from me to, to help fund the work we do. So getting the money in. <laughs> I love that. The money is important. Money matters. Um, you're listening yeah. to Evening Words. I'm your guest host, Dara Lise Lyons, speaking with Ben Pawson. I'm going to call you Ben so I don't sound like your mother who's mad at you. Um, <laughs> the developmental director or development director for First Person Arts. Um, and, you know, I, I want to talk about you said that you mentioned the word documentary, and I think the way that you were using that word was like documenting things. But I was thinking about the trigger documentary that First Person Arts released. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about that project and what it is and kind of what it's doing. Absolutely. Uh, trigger is a collaboration. Um, kind of the latest collaboration in a seven year partnership between First Person Arts and the City of Philadelphia Department of Behavioral Health and Intellectual Disability, mm. um, which are kind of basically responsible for the, uh, the behavioral health and mental health of the entire city. Mm. Uh, they're an incredible organization. And seven years ago, they came to um, Jamie J. Brunson and they asked us, you know, is it possible to use the power of story to open doors to people getting help with their mental health? Mm. And the kind of partnership along the way has increasingly said, yes, this works and this works a bit better and, and yeah. this works a bit better than that. And the latest thing that we've done is to address a problem that is ravaging Philadelphia and many other cities in America, um, which is gun violence and specifically the, the emotional trauma that surrounds gun violence mm. on, on all sides. Yeah. Uh, from people that have lost somebody, people that are um, picking up a gun to solve a problem, yeah. and from people that were shot but survived and now have to live the rest of their life. Yeah. Um, and, and the film goes into all of those details. And there at least we, uh, I personally come from the United Kingdom. We, you know, we don't have many guns in the United Kingdom. Um, we have many of the same problems that America has, but we, we don't have the gun. So I, I wasn't involved in making the film. I, um, I sit at the back of the room and I listen and I learn when we do these screenings across the city. Um, and it, it's been incredibly powerful. So basically the, the film is 60 minutes and it, it, it's basically a first responder. It's a school principal. Mm. Um, it's a father that lost a child. 
Um, it's some people that were a part of the problem and are now part of the solution. Yeah. And they're all talking about the trauma that they felt, about the trauma that surrounds gun violence and, and, and the ways they have found solutions. And we're lucky enough to take the film or be invited into communities yeah. across the city, kind of 34 places so wow. far, over 2,000 people. And we, we screen the film. Um, we, we do it uh, where we're invited, you know, in a context that, 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 that the groups that yeah. we're invited in by um, help co-design. And we have a talk back afterwards where members of the cast from the film come in and talk about their experiences. We ask questions. Um, it's moderated by Chad Dion Lassiter, who's a, a national expert in race relations and the um, head of the Pennsylvania Human Relations Commission. Um, he does a great job of steering the conversation, um, making sure that everyone's heard and, and people tell their story, mm -hmm. uh, which is what it all comes down to, to feel connected. Wow. And I mean, I know that you're bringing this film into different communities and maybe which have been impacted in different ways or maybe are becoming more aware in different ways. And, and I'm just curious, like you said, you sit at the back of the room. Can you share about maybe some of people's feedback or some of the questions that have been asked while you've been observing these really impactful experiences? Sure. I, I mean, they're, they're not my stories. I'll, I'll relate them as best as I yeah. can. Um, but the, the, the things that, well, every time I see the film, something different kind of sticks with me. Mm. Um, whether it's, you know, the principal saying, you know, once you've been traumatized, then, you know, it's difficult to be around people. But, you know, these kids have to come to school traumatized yeah. and they're in a school hall with a thousand other people, some of which are traumatized. And, yeah. and, in, in the actual kind of screenings, the, one of the big messages of the films, film is to describe, you know, what trauma is, how it can affect you, how it can change the way you see the world. Yeah. And some of the, well, one person in particular said, you know, that doesn't sound like, you know, it's trauma. That sounds like a Tuesday for me. Wow. That's how I've been living my life. And, yeah. and to realize that that's not, normal and that's what the principals say you know this is not normal this is not okay yeah. if i was a principal in a suburban school would this be okay mm. and, the, and the answer is no and yet yeah. people have been living with the trauma of gun violence and sometimes not knowing that it is trauma yeah. and how it affects them and, and how they can seek treatment mm. and gabriel bryant would be uh, very upset with me if i didn't mention the uh National Suicide Crisis Line, Mental Health Crisis Line, uh, which is 988. Uh, it's a bit like 911, um, yeah. but for everything from the head up. And it's, uh, yeah, it's something we plug at every single screening. Yeah, it's so glad that you mentioned that. And I think the link between behavioral health and intellectual, like mental wellness and gun violence has been very thoroughly documented. Um, and I'm and I'm wondering, like, how do you bring traumatic stories forward in a way that does not create further trauma or in a way that is healing? Yeah, it, it, it's something that I, I, you know, we've, we've asked questions about ourselves. And I think the trajectory of the film, it, it, it doesn't show any gun violence. Mm. It, it, it talks about the loss 
but the, the film is kind of um, a, a trajectory. It kind of talks about the loss and it, and it talks about you know, the, the things that go into, into gun violence from a kind of societal point of yeah. view. But then it, it quite quickly kind of shows people how they dealt with their trauma, shows people mm-hmm. dealing with their trauma, getting out of the pains that they were, they were in and how they found health and what worked for them. So it's, you know, we have to talk about it in some ways. Yeah. Um, but we, 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 we're definitely not trying to re-traumatize people. That would be irresponsible. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of solutions oriented journalism and sort of solutions oriented storytelling because I think that, you know, particularly in communities that have been perhaps like robbed of the opportunities to tell their own stories or communities where voices aren't often amplified. But I think it's so important to bring those stories particularly forward. And so I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how first person arts is doing that work in various ways. So with starting with trigger, I mean, the, the people in the film have lived experience of gun violence from, from all of these different perspectives and, and we, we let them tell their story. We, we don't editorialize. We coach them. We ask them questions. Yeah. We discuss ways that they can maybe tell their story in a, in a, in a more direct or, or powerful way. And the emotional um, energy that, that the cast members put into this film is, is astounding. Mm-hmm. Um, that there aren't many cast members that, that attend the screenings because you know they, they come in and do these talkbacks afterwards yeah. where everyone else gets to share their story but there aren't many cast members that that, that can stay in the film mm. um and, and watch it um, and, and i've seen it like seven or eight times now and and, it, and it's affecting every time yeah. you know the, the stories they tell are enormously affecting and because you know they're being vulnerable, as as you know, getting up yeah. there and, and telling your story is, is a is a place of incredible vulnerability. And you know, I'm I'm very proud of how um, caring the audience is at first person arts. You know, I think people respect the stories that when they, they can see that people are yeah. putting themselves out there and, and being vulnerable, and and it's the same kind of. Um, process that we try and, and encourage with any kind of story that we tell from the, the monthly story t- slams where, like you did, anyone can yeah. come along and, and put their name in, in, in a bucket and tell a five minute true story. And the, the kind of guidelines we give is, you know, make it a, have a beginning, a middle and an end and tell us how it changed you. Mm. And, and if, if people, if people have the courage to do that, then I think there's some magic happens in any of the rooms. But you asked about, um, going out into communities. I mean, we, you know, there's six people on the staff of first person arts. If we told our own stories, we'd get pretty boring pretty quickly. <laughs> right, right. So everything we do has to be a collaboration. So we're, we're constantly looking new stories and we're, we're constantly talking to people and meeting people and asking them what stories they have and you know creating situations where people can tell their stories um so a couple of interesting things that we are um working on at the moment um and i can talk about this yes yeah because I'm kind of working a year ahead of things. You know, yes. I, I write the grant now for a project that'll happen the end of next year that will then launch right, a year after right. that. <laughs> but um, 
there used to be a museum um, kind of a block behind uh, where the Independence Hall is. I think it was called the, the, the Museum of Philadelphia or City, City of Philadelphia Museum. And it had this collection of two or 300,000 artifacts from Philadelphia's ancient history all through the Native American times. Mm. And then when settlers came and imposed their own history on yeah. uh, Native Americans. And, and, and up to quite recently, things from the 1970s are in this museum. And the museum closed. Um, and this collection of objects was put in storage. Um, and uh, good people at um, Drexel University have been looking after it. And when they were given it, one of the, the, the things they said they would do was bring it out and um, have people react to it so, uh, so that people could see these objects. Yeah. And we're working on an amazing project with WHYY, uh, Drexel, and on this, the Atwater Kent collection, it's called. Okay. And we're going to get 10 or 12 storytellers to come in, pick an object and tell a story about how that object makes them feel or something they remember about that object. Um, and then we're going to work with WHYY and make a podcast about it. Wow. And, you know, it, it could be um, a scepter token. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there are people in Philadelphia who have feelings and memories about scepter tokens. Um, and all sorts of things uh, that are going to crop up, prop up, and prompt people to tell these amazing stories. And so that's what we do. We go around and we create situations where people can tell good stories and uh, hopefully connect more of us together. Oh, I love that. I have so many follow-up questions. Uh, this is a conversation with Ben Pawson, the development director for First Person Arts. We're going to take a very quick break and then be right back after the break with more questions about story, about first person arts, um, maybe even about that scar. So, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Evening Words on WURD, Progressive Black Talk Media. Welcome back. You're listening to Evening Words. I'm your guest host, Dara Lise Lyons, speaking with Ben Pawson, the development director for First Person Arts. You know, I had to Google real quick in the break, Ben, because I was um, I, I wanted to be sure that what I was saying was correct. But there's a significant amount of research that shows that actually the process of telling stories for those who have experienced trauma um, it can be critical in the healing process and can actually like support their process out of PTSD and, you know, those, those kinds of things. And so I'm curious about your experience with that. And then also kind of how you use that to help with your funding requests. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, it's tricky. I mean, what do they call it? Poverty porn. When, oh, when you yeah. take advantage of someone else's suffering to, yeah. to bring that. So, yeah, I mean, like you were saying earlier, I, I, I tried to be focused on solutions and, and what we're doing to, to change things. And yeah, I mean, something that we're working on now is, you know, we, we, we take these trigger screenings around, you know, there, there are public screenings. Anyone can come along. Um, and I'll plug a few if that is okay. Please. Yeah. Um, so the uh, next one is on the 28th of November, uh, which is tomorrow. Good Lord. Yeah, yeah. tomorrow, um, yeah. And that's at the GPHA Carl Moore Health Center. Uh, 
1401 South 31st Street on the second floor at the Carl Moore Health Center, and that's at 4 p.m. Uh, and then the screening will show uh, it's until 6 p.m. tomorrow. So the 28th of November tomorrow at the GPHA Carl Moore Health Center uh, down in Southwest Philly. And then on 12th of December, there's another one at a GPHA Frankfurt Avenue Health Center uh, on the 12th of December at 5.30 p.m. Mm. Uh, and they're all on our website. Um, and the, the kind of the process of yeah, telling your story, it, I mean, yeah, I, I've had to write about this for a, a project that I'd, I'd love to tell you about that, that, that we're kind of working yeah. on at the moment, but it, it's the process of, of externalizing your trauma, of, of talking about it, and especially talking about it in the context of your whole life. Yeah. And there's a, uh, an, an amazing um, cast member in the film, Rosalind Pichardo, who, um, when we when we talked to her in the film, she was working um, at Operation Save Our City, and, and she's now with uh, Ceasefire PA, both mm. great organizations doing amazing things. Um, but she was a, a trauma advocate uh, at Temple University, where, where where she lost family members at that mm. hospital. And when she was there in the waiting room, there was there was nobody nobody there to to kind of tell you you know what's happening, tell you what the next steps are, tell you what's available. And, and so she started working at the trauma um, temple uh, temple trauma advocate program mm. and, and and basically doing that helping people that that are there but um in the film rosalind pachado says you know telling your story helps you decide what you're not going to let trauma do mm. what you're not going to let it control yeah and, and it's it's one way of of pushing back um, and one, some, something that we saw and something we see a lot is that the need for storytelling for, for young people, mm. um, and they experience trauma and, and, and have different ways of coping and, and don't have uh, access to the, the full range of coping mechanisms yeah. that, 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 uh, older people do. So we, um, got a, grants, I think, uh, the beginning of this year to, to take um, trigger into schools and show small segments yeah. of it um, and then kind of construct a storytelling workshop or mm. you know, tell your life story uh, or figure out how to tell your story yeah. in reaction to these events. And it's going to be an enormously challenging program, but I think there's an enormous need for it. And yeah. yeah. Narrative therapy is, is a whole area, and I'm not an expert in it, yeah. but um, yeah, it, it's certainly something that we're aiming towards with this project. I love that. And I love the vast range of uh, storytelling applications that you're involved in. I mean, what we were talking about, like talking about an object and what it means to you, or I know, you know, you'll have the story slams where there's a mix of comedic to tragic to, mm. you know, light to uh, sexy to fun to all of that. And so can you talk a little bit about the story slams and sort of what yeah. those are and how they build community? Absolutely. Yeah. So th the great thing is, you know, the, the, there's two ways that people can get on the stage. The, the first one is a bit of preparation is you can email the first line of your story. If you have something prepared, yeah. five minute true story, something that happened to you, 
Um, and if you email it to, I think, stories at firstpersonarts.org, uh, we go through and we might select your line if it tempts us. <laughs> but beyond that first line, we don't know where the story is going to go, where you're going to take us. And there's this beautiful moment of tension when the storyteller is on the stage and they take that first breath in and the audience is just anticipating what's going to happen next. <laughs> and the only person in the room that knows is the storyteller. And then it goes every way. We get people that do five-minute rehearsed poems that contain beautiful stories but are also kind of dynamic stage presences yes. of their own right. And, and we get people that, you know, like you, and you, you weren't planning to tell a story, <laughs> but, you know, you, you feel the need to get up there and, and open your heart and let, let this room full of strangers into sometimes humorous moments, mm. uh, sometimes tragic moments, sometimes a mix of both moments. We. We often encourage people to try and look for the comedy in tragedy. Mm. Um, and there's quite a rich vein of that in the archive stories that we have on YouTube. Um, but we, we really do get everything. We get kind of confessionals. We, we get people plumbing the depths of, the, of their feelings. And, and we get people... Um, <laughs> We try and discourage it, but we get people taking, you know, petty revenge yeah. and uh, <laughs> and everything in between. And and it really is marvelous. You you never know what you're going to get when you come to a story slam. Yeah. Um, I did pull a few first lines from past stories. Oh, slams. I would if you, if would love to hear them. And just for a sense of context, so First Person Arts has a monthly story slam, which is essentially they bring people out from the community and they have, I think, maybe four storytellers that they've pre-selected in advance and then four storytellers where people just put their names in hats and they're drawn. And so these are the, the first lines from some yeah. of the submitted stories where they've selected people in advance. Yeah. Yeah. And th th this is, I, mean, I didn't choose these specifically. I just copied and pasted a bunch, but these are the ones that came out. The first line was, I feel like Bollywood new movies never prepared me for the love of my real life. <laughs> now I want to hear the story. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I, I think that's why it got, got selected. <laughs> and another one. Um, in January of 22, I hit a tree head-on doing 70 miles an hour, broke 22 bones, had a traumatic brain injury, and was in a coma. Wow. Today, I'm doing great. Let me tell you about it. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it, it goes all over the all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel like every I mean, I just I, I'm so curious about people. I think that's why I, I enjoy interviewing people. Um, but I feel like everyone has a story to tell. And so, I'm, I'm multiple stories. We all have multiple <laughs> stories to tell. But I you know what what I have found is that a lot of people don't think their stories are worth telling. Yeah. And one of my jobs, um, I, I, unlike you, I'm, uh, I'm not an introvert. Or I, I can tear myself away from being an introvert for about three hours a month, okay. which handily covers all of the, the things I need to do for my job and my role at the Story Slams, which is to, as people come in, convince them to tell a story on stage. Yeah. Yeah. And some people, they just shut down. They're like, no, 
like I'm not doing that. I could never do that. It's just not in me. Yeah. And and I I, I get to you know I, I see a hard no, but some people they, they 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 pause for a moment and they're like, and you think you're thinking of a story, aren't you? Yes. You've got one. <laughs> And then it, it, it's my job to convince them that, yeah, their stories are worth hearing. Because, you know, if you think it, somebody else has likely thought it. If you've experienced it, someone else has probably experienced something a little bit like it or can at least relate. And if they can't relate, then, yeah, they might learn something from it. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's hard sometimes to convince people that, you know, we're, we're not after giant adventures that took place yeah. across the globe and you know involved the james bond movie stuff sometimes the, the 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 drama and the emotion is in the small things yeah like there's um there's one first line here that is, is a great story that i remember that i uh, the first line is this i grew up in a family of lovable tightwads who oh. always shopped at a tacky discount store. And I was so embarrassed by this that I was literally bossy about the pants they made me wear. Oh, I, I love that. Well, and I just want to say, you know, I think that First Person Arts has really built a community, and I want to ask you about that community creation. But what convinced me to get on stage to tell a story was that it was so supportive. I'd seen a couple other people tell stories and I was like, oh, this is great. You can bomb here and everyone's going to clap and love you <laughs> and cheer for you. And so, you know, and so I, I was willing to do it because of the the just the supportiveness of yeah. the community. And I feel like that is very intentional. So can you talk about how FPA has built community? It, it's true. I mean, we 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 we. Um, I asked our archivist last week, in fact, to to, to pull out, you know, who, who's told the most stories mm. on our stage. And the, the highest one is um, a guy called Steve Clark, who has told nearly 70 stories oh, on wow. the stage, just keeps coming back and coming back and coming back. Mm. And, you know, we, we find that, you know, there's a core of people that, that love doing this and practice and rehearse and and are so supportive uh, yeah. of, of everybody that tells a story because you know if you watch somebody on stage and then you know you, you see them bear their soul and yes. be vulnerable and let you into something that they might not have told anybody else ever and then they come off the stage and, and you see them at the bar yeah. you, know, you might not say anything but no you give them a, a little knowing <laughs> wink, you know, yeah, I see you. I know you. I know you. Yeah. I know what you're about. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, we get a lot of um, comedians come. Uh, and I think it, it, it's a it's a more relaxed room, like you yes. said. And, it's, and, and they, they, they often say, you know, this is the this is the nicest room in Philadelphia. Yeah. You know, when comedians are, you know, in a comedy room, it, it's like, you know, set up punchline, set up punchline. Now, where's yes. the next laugh coming from? But. Some of the stories that, that we have on our stage, they're, they're, they're poignant. Some of them ramble around for a while and, and they come to a point eventually and, and you've got to look hard for the emotion, but it, it's in there. And yeah. I, I think everybody realizes that, you know, anybody that gets up in front of a room full of, you know, a hundred complete strangers and 
tries to tell a story is, is putting themselves out there and, and that's worthy of respect, I think. Yeah. Well, and as to the format for these story slams, these monthly story slams, is that you have some judges, but then also the community gets to vote. So I feel like the audience is pretty engaged because of that. And like, how did you? All, well, yeah, I was going to ask how you came up with that, but you may, you may may or may not know. But I'm I'm curious sort of like what that does, the audience involvement and the judging component, sort of how it's how it's functioned um, in your experience. I think it basically stops people going on for 25 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> because, you know, we've got a show to do. People want to go home. We can't keep people there until two o'clock in the morning. And I, I think having the judging and, and having the flashing light at the front when, the, yeah. when your five minutes is nearly up um, is basically just a way of, of, of keeping people on track, keeping mm-hmm. it within the, the guide rails that, that we hope yeah. encourages them to, yeah, to... To, to have an end because, you know, some people just like to get up and, and, and tell an anecdote and, uh, and they like to hear the sound of their own voice. And, and sometimes that's incredibly amusing. And sometimes, um, they're, they're, uh, you know, sometimes they're poignant and sometimes, you know, it's just an anecdote and we welcome everyone to the stage. And yeah, I think the, the way the voting has evolved over the years, um, I think especially now with the, um, Lamar Todd uh, as a permanent judge and then our great host Betty Smithsonian um, who are, are both amazing stand-up comics but also storytellers yeah. in their own right they, they they really help keep it keep it on track keep it a little bit focused but yes. we really do welcome everyone yeah oh I love that uh, what are you currently working on I mean you've alluded you've alluded to some things but what kind of what, what's your current passion project yeah uh I, th- I think everybody at First Person Arts is thinking about the semi-quin, hmm. which is um, the semi-quincentennial, the 250th anniversary of the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Hmm. Um, I mean, as a British person, you know, it was uh, the start of a long and acrimonious divorce, yes. a colony that we uh, really quite liked. Um, so I've got feelings about it, but um, some people are asking, you know, do we really care? Yeah. Um, and we, we want to find really interesting ways to go out and, you know, ask everybody. And, we, and you know, as you said earlier, I don't know if you were looking at our website and saw our mission statement, but we, we do believe that everybody has a story to tell. And we want to go out and ask a representative sample of people, you know, how's uh, life liberty and the pursuit of happiness going for you you know do you think we've lived up to those um ambitious words in the declaration of independence so that's what i'm thinking about a lot now because yeah that's going to be huge wow i have so many follow-up questions about that (laughs) you're listening to word radio on 900 am 96.1 fm streaming live on wordradio.com facebook live and the word radio app i'm your guest host dara lise lyons speaking with ben not Benjamin, that's what his mother calls him, Ben Pawson, the development director for First Person Arts. We're going to take a very quick break and then be back to learn more about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and all things First Person Arts. You're listening to Evening Words on WURD, progressive, black talk media. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Evening Words on 900 AM, 96.1 FM, streaming live on wordradio.com, Facebook Live, or the Word Radio app. I'm your guest host, Dara Lise Lyons, speaking with Ben Pawson, the Development Director for First Person Arts. Right before the break, Ben was speaking about the 200... 50th anniversary of what did you call it the signing of the declaration of independence but you called it some the what what was yeah, it it's so the the full name is the semi quincentennial wow yeah i am never gonna so, remember that but i but, no. <laughs> but i, so, yeah. I think the marketing gurus have shortened it to the semi quin the semi quin yeah which is just about memorable right 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 well you know what i love about that is you're sort of forcing people to engage or maybe forcing is the wrong word but inviting people to engage um with these historical moments and i always feel like you know every current story every present moment was preceded by by history you know and so and and i love that invitation i'd be really curious about people's responses mm. yeah and and i think a lot of people might just say you know it doesn't mean anything to me it was a document written 250 years ago with a feather mm. you know if they had a twitter account maybe i'd follow them but <laughs> yeah not interested anymore it's you know it's what's going on today that matters but I never, yeah, I mean, I learned everything I know about the American political system through watching the West Wing. Okay. And it's, uh, for better or worse, you know, it, it, it seems like a good experiment of the people, by the people, for the people. And yeah, how are we doing? What's our report card? Are we going to get a B minus or are we going to get a, yeah, something worse than that? It's, it's going to be fascinating. And yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait either. I minored in history and I don't remember anything. So I think, you know, I pretty much learned everything through television as well. Um, I'm ashamed to say. Um, so no, ben- there's, there's science there. You're absolutely right. <laughs> the, 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 the strange thing is that a story is 10 times more memorable than a fact. Yeah. Yeah. So right. it all comes back to story, Darlene. Well, thank you. So next time I forget someone's name, a birthday, some detail that they've told me, I'll be like, listen, I, I needed a story. Like, tell me a story if you want me to remember it. Um, <laughs> if you have trouble remembering people's names and if it's someone that you're going to be spending more time around, the yeah. trick I use is I ask them to tell me something memorable about them. Oh, interesting. Hmm. I'd love that. And then you connect it with their name somehow, and then it kind of solidifies. Uh, yeah, the mnemonic. Yeah. yeah. So my, my go-to one, if you want to know, yeah. is I grew up in the town that invented the traffic circle. Really? The roundabout. Okay. Yeah, whatever you want to call it. It's a Quaker town, and everybody's got feelings about traffic circles. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now, so I, hopefully they don't project those feelings onto you unless they're positive feelings. But yeah, it's it's memorable. So Ben, yeah. how, where, and when do you tell your stories? Like where, kind of where do you find outlets for that these days? That is such a good question. Uh, I, before I started working with First Person Arts, I signed up for something that they used to do um, that we're thinking about bringing back called okay. the Story Gym. Just kind of like a, a practice room. Yeah. And I told a story in there and it went quite well, but it was just an anecdote. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't very vulnerable. Mm. And then I put my name in the bucket. It was time. I rehearsed the story, but I didn't get selected. It was 
it was a very tense evening. Yeah. Um, because every time the host's hand goes into that bucket to pull out. Right. Yeah. You know, and if I've done my job right, then there's, you know, there's quite a few people in the bucket and there's a chance you might not get picked. Yeah. Yeah. But I think you'll get invited back to the next month. And the next month, I should, must remember to do this is the 19th of December out in media PA. Okay. At yeah. the media theater at 8 p.m. Oh, the 19th okay. of December. And the yeah. theme that day is lit. So. The story I had a theme for was all about, I can't remember it. Anyway, it has a theme, but my story <laughs> was about the first time that somebody had an expectation of me, said, yeah. oh, you'll do great things. I could see you becoming a poet. Okay. And the story was a, a bit of an anecdote, but I, I didn't get to tell it on the stage. I told it to Dr. Neil Bardhan, our yeah. applied storytelling um, director, and he picked out the one emotion that I exposed yeah. in this story and said, that's what I want to know more about. Um, so I'm in the long, slow process of learning to be vulnerable through my storytelling. But um, what about you, Darylise? What's uh, what story am I working on now? Yeah, I may, you, may you grace our stage again. <laughs> I may. I hope I do. I think I will. Um, and uh, and I just want to say we just got a shout out from Sydney, Australia, from Phyllis. Phyllis is listening to us from Sydney, Australia. Which um, so thank you, Phyllis. And it makes me think about uh, your Australia scar story, Ben. Which I'm not going to ask you to tell because on the on the first person arts website it, it says that if people donate, then you'll tell them that story. So to anyone listening, if you make a donation to First Person Arts, Ben will tell you that story. It's a promise. It's in writing. It's legally binding. It's on the internet. Um, so, so, but my, my story that I'm currently working on, um, you know, I, I think it's to be continued. I just finished a big project. I just finished working on the On Being Biracial podcast. Um, we, uh, our last episode came out today. And so, I am. I'm now in the midst of looking for my next big project, and I'm ex I'm excited for that. I like being between stories. I don't think it'll be long before I have an, a, a new one. But you'll have to ask ask me that question again offline. All right. Um, soon, absolutely. and I will. I will absolutely have an answer for you. Um, yeah. So, Ben, to anyone listening who wants to get involved, come out to a story slam, find out more about what you do, support. Can you? Share with them how to get involved and engaged. Absolutely, Darylis. Thank you. It, um, it all starts at www.firstpersonarts.org. Uh, so all of our events are on there. There's two trigger screenings. Um, there's a story slam out in media theater, media PA. Um, there's our archive of stories on there. Mm. Um, there's some hints about storytelling. Um, there's some a pretty a useful thing is that um, anyone can request that we come down and do a screening of Trigger at their community organization. And we, we keep getting people, uh, mostly just through word of mouth, just inviting us to come on out and, and show this film. Um, it, it really, it, there's such a huge demand for this project. So yeah, they can do all of that at www.firstpersonarts.org. 
And they can donate as well. Yes. And tomorrow's Giving Tuesday. So get your pocketbooks out. Get ready for that. Thank you, Ben, so much for joining us. Thank you at home or wherever you are for listening. This has been Evening Words. I'm your guest host, Dara Lise Lyons. And tune on in tomorrow. It's been great speaking with you. You've been listening to Word Radio On Demand. Listen live at 96.1 FM, 900 AM, and online at wordradio.com.